1: head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
0: Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News <laughs> Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast. A podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea are greater than Spurs gear around. Joining me back on this episode, a fantastic occasion for us to celebrate our Dan and Nick. So gentlemen, right off the bat, I want to kick this episode off with a question from at Marvitt to Dude. He says, is there anything in this life that feels better than beating Spurs? Dan, where do you stand on this?
1: There's a lot of great things in life. You know, a uh, Sunday brunch, Kicks off a nice little day of day drinking. Um, you know, Warm sheets on a cold night. Hot soup uh, walking in after being rained on. Uh, there's a lot of good things in life. Beating Spurs like that is a great thing in life.
2: I would also add uh, to Dan's previous list, watching Arsenal beat themselves is one of those things as well. I mean, um, watching Arsenal fan TV capitulate after a loss and... You know, just watching our general happiness after we beat yet another uh, London rival. Yeah, slow down there, blood. Fam, oh. fam, come on, fam. Hey, Chelsea fans, tweeted us. Let us know what you
0: think this feeling is for you guys. We want to see it. But uh, right off the bat, we did have some people who left us iTunes reviews. That means you want a shout out from us. We've even got one from Canada. So here you go from... Allie McKenzie 44 we get that five star review appreciate that and a Liverpool in St. Paul Minnesota hey hey I'm right there in the Twin Cities uh, actually says not a blue but so well done I have to listen thank you Mick in St. Paul oh. uh, you know when other teams are giving us credit and five star reviews I think that means we're doing something right Nick
2: uh, that's pretty impressive uh, that might be is that the, our first op- opposing uh fan review brandon
0: no we do have a united one from way back in oh, the day that's true. but true. this one still means a lot so thank you mick uh kicking this one off we're gonna go with a quick quick announcement from world soccer shop before we get into the
2: good stuff tottenham review nick what do we have for everybody we have a Chelsea blowout sale on WorldSoccerShop.com. Uh, use our referral link. Go to World Soccer Shop. Uh, Dan, they have crazy deals right now on Chelsea gear.
1: Yeah, you, you want a jersey. This is the time of year to do it, especially final Adidas jerseys. So uh, like Nick is wearing, I believe one today, I'm also wearing one. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not going to have champions badges on it uh, like a Nike kit would next year. But uh, great value. So, uh, great value to remember Antonio Conte's first season, JT's last season, plenty of reasons to get yourself a sixteen seventeen
0: jersey if you haven't already. You know what? It's the pajama kit, it's a once-in-a-lifetime, I, I think. But anyways, Tottenham Hotspur. We hope. Exactly. <laughs> FA Cup match, we are back at Wembley. It was this past Saturday, April 22nd, Blues 4, Lily Whites 2. I hadn't heard that, but you can think Wikipedia for dropping that knowledge bomb. Uh, Dan, lineup time. I mean, coming after Manchester United, hearing about all these illnesses running around the team, not quite the lineup we expected. Obviously, with some last-minute excitement coming from Gary Lineker, what did we have? Yeah, Lineker dropping
1: the the bomb right about 30 minutes before lineups come out, saying that, we potentially going to see Hazard and Costa rested. And a lot of shouts for Costa to not make the lineup based upon performance. So that was the one that we thought was in question. The Hazard one coming way out of left field. You know Gary Cahill also uh, you know scratched due to some uh, you know some uh, some upset stomach uh, and hospitalization earlier in the week. So kind of prevented from there. So we saw Pedro minutes from Mishi, William up top. We had a chance to see Moses, Conte, Madich, Alonzo coming back from you know his little uh, illness as well. Asplueta, Captain, Luis, and Nathan Aki, who you thought came back from Bournemouth to sit on the bench gets called up in one of the biggest matches of the season uh all in front of Courtois who gets returned back to the 6-2 uh after perfecting his jump shot so we had a really really nice lineup there uh and then we also got a chance to see Hazard we got a chance to see Costa and a double sub and then also Fabregas as well
2: that's a lot How about that how about that for the bench I mean (laughs) no no other teams doing that I mean that's pretty incredible
0: it's it was something to be looked at it it was obviously really impressive um to see Conte make those kind of changes you know i think personally i said this in uh the pre-match instagram live that essentially i thought that meant just meant Conte said hey we've got too many changes in the squad we're just going to go ahead not push anyone we're going to prioritize the premier league uh overall championship over the fa cup and at the
2: end of the day nick though it didn't matter Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we were all a little shocked. I'm I'm looking at the lineup now. I mean, Batshuayi hadn't started since, I mean, what is it, late January or early February? Uh, Same with Ake. Um, And then you have, you know, Hazard getting rusted because we play in three more days. You know, that's what we called out last week on the pod is we have a quick turnaround to Tuesday against Southampton at home. Uh, So you just saw, you know, for the first time in a long time, some squad rotation and, and Boy, I mean, it' a big occasion like this. Brandon showing that much faith in a young player like Aké, a young player like Bashuai, bringing in Lillian because he hates Tottenham just like we hate Tottenham. Uh, just all three brilliant, brilliant moves from a brilliant, brilliant manager. That's not what people were saying last week. But let's go ahead and jump <laughs> into the
0: goals. Fifth minute, Pedro is chopped down by Toby Alderweireld, who might have been lucky not to be sent off. It. If it wasn't the fourth minute, you know, it was a little bit wide. I get it, but a rash challenge. And thankfully, from the resulting free kick, Williams steps up and curls it perfectly into the far post side netting, Nick. I mean, look at that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think this was the dream start when you looked at last week. and everything that kind of didn't go right for Chelsea. This was, you know, Pedro after a really nice dummy from batch white to kind of get that move going. Pedro kind of using his roadrunner type speed, blasting up field, getting chopped down. <clears throat> and then William calling off David Luiz, who, if you remember to the Liverpool game earlier in the year, that was the exact opposite that happened saying, I got this bro. Uh, just took a, a really short run up and and curled it past a you know a, a pretty it's a pretty bad setup from uh, from Larice but uh, early goal uh, every you know momentum going our way I think it was the perfect perfect start Dan
1: yeah I, I think you're you're hoping to see William score every time he plays against Spurs yeah I think that that just is just the point to the. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the joke that just keeps on giving and you know less like a, a william free kick it is also a giving tree and you know again it's been a rough season for william you, you feel bad for the guy for a lot of the things that's gone through uh, you know it's it's hard to potentially go from a starting position to a rotational player but when he got tapped tapped up by conte to come in and start the lineup he definitely went big willie style on it and yeah, great, great kick. Uh, but you know, I think that was the the cool thing to see Batshuayi in the kind of the hold up play and the flick on to Pedro to really help earn that. I mean, Alderweireld I think had 16 fouls in the Premier League. Um, I think since he's been in the Premier League, or some some ridiculously low, no, low number. And so for Pedro to kind of force that from him
0: just through pace was fantastic. Yeah, Alderweireld has an extremely low amount of fouls in the Premier League this season, but it doesn't matter when you're one-on-one with Pedro and he's faster than you. Um, at Iraga said, "No one better to score against Spurs than William. Rub it in their faces." Well, don't worry, we're not done. But quick detour. Eighteenth minute, Chelsea failed to properly clear one of Tottenham's. 11 corner kicks, and Erickson is able to get another cross into the box where Eric Kane is able to get low onto his knees for a glancing header into the far post. Dan. Yeah, I think a lot of things you want to unpack from this one. One, uh, we we
1: really, you know, Erickson, a little bit of kryptonite from. Uh, many places on the pitch for us, uh, not just in this game, but across the season. So uh, the, the latitude provided to him was a little interesting. Uh, Harry Kane did break away from, you know, Maddich in front of him and Nathiaki behind him. Uh, so there was an attempt to double team. Maddich just was a little too slow. Uh, Harry moved a step faster than Aki, so it gave Kane the, just the perfect amount of space. And, and, you know, all credit, that was a fantastic header. And, you know, ultimately Courtois wasn't going to stop that that, point so really really nice set piece from Spurs and you know we thought hey it might be easy and then we realized 18 minutes later that we just aren't really good at defending set pieces right now uh, specifically from that that left hand side which is really interesting
0: well I mean I don't want to dwell, so we're going to keep on moving to the 43rd minute where Moses marauding in at Spurs box. And Hume and Son, he went to the ground extremely early. I was actually surprised when I saw him essentially dive in front of Moses. And look, he gave the referee a tough decision. And Atkinson was not up for making tough decisions today. I think we saw that all day. And at the end of it, you know, We got the penalty Uh, again. The TV audience on a massive delay had no idea what was going on. Uh, Thank you, Fox, for the amazing camera angles. Uh, But you know what? At the end of the day, William, big Willie style, stepped up, buried it like he'd been taking them all season. Nick, I mean, he really
2: does hate Tottenham, obviously. Obviously. Yeah, that goes without saying. I think there are a couple of key points with this goal. Uh, first, it was going against a pretty good run of play from Spurs. So I think we were a bit fortunate there. 2 Hyungmin's son did a cess Fabregas and slid about six <laughs> miles too early. And I mean, it, he put himself in a shit position and then Moses just took advantage of it. Moses doesn't have to jump over him if he's impeding his space. So at the end of the day, it was a bit soft. But, uh, you know, I think we we have to consider that most of the time that'll be called uh, three, Captain Dave, uh, who, you know, first appearance as captain for Chelsea, uh, took the ball away from Mishi Batshuayi, gave it to William because, again, he hates Tottenham. And that was kind of the, the penultimate moment, I think, from uh, possibly a future-looking captain perspective is that uh, Dave is, is ready for those big decisions, handed the ball, walked away like he'd been doing it for years. And that was that was game blouses there.
0: Yeah, shout out to at Jason Gastworth and at Brendan Morris 26. They both tweeted at us with that. Uh, I noticed it, but again, on TV, you only saw it right at the very end because Fox was having disaster covering what was actually happening on the field that day instead of off the ball stuff. (laughs) Um, What was interesting to me is the, uh, the
1: tackle from Sun and how if your stream lagged for even like, 20, 30 seconds. Uh, that, that felt like the amount of time and duration that he was actually sliding towards Victor Moses. And, and we've given Sesk a lot of crap this season for poor tackles.
0: I think sons might actually be the worst tackle I've seen this season. Oh well, yeah. You're putting like, a oh, outside forward at wing back. I mean, talk about fish out of water. That, that was a failed experiment.
2: Yeah. I would like to make a special note for Victor Moses in this game. And I know we'll get to it later with the man of the match stuff, but uh, he was tremendous today, and this was just one example of him kind of abusing space where Danny Rose would have been. Uh, but I think that even if Rose had played, there would have been a much more even matchup than the first or the, the last time we played them at White Hart Lane. I think Moses was up for it all day and was extremely underrated, um, even by the stats that we showed at the beginning of the game. I mean, I think he had a 7-6. I mean, he was all over the place, just tremendous
0: well 52nd minute it's another detour as Ericsson again being Tottenham's main threat uh, he put in a honestly it was a delicious cross for Dele Alley, who was able to perfectly run onto it in stride one touch buried it past a fully stretched Courtois Dan sorry to keep piling him your way that's just how the game flowed that's okay it's yeah, it, it, Christian Erickson again danger man given
1: space allowing to ping malls forward and you know, one of the best passes I think I've seen all season uh, in in general. I mean, it's the type of thing that you love seeing Cess do to set up Casa and, you know, you kind of wish was happening right now for us. But Erickson, pinpoint delivery, uh, Delhi Alley didn't have to do much to make that pass look exceptional. Uh, it makes it look like there's a pretty good telepathic connection between the two. Uh, so that's something that the FA can investigate into at some point in the future. Um, but man, it's, yeah, they, they had some good looking goals and they, they weren't going away, which was like a credit to you know, how Pochettino has structured the side and put them in a position to to never say die. And it's not the first time they've gone behind this season. Obviously, they've done a really nice job on the defensive record, but they've been able to come back and win games or, you know, go late in the games and eventually cock something open. And this was just another moment where they're like, crap, like how how do they keep on doing this? And you know, that's why it was two best teams in the
0: league playing essentially what was a final that was a semi. Well, about 74th minute, Chelsea finally got our first corner kick of the match. Uh, good time. Brought Fabregas on just before that. And uh, long story short, Spurs didn't clear. It dropped to the, what do they call him? The, the little Belgian? I don't know. Uh, anyways, it rolled out to Eden. He took a touch and stroked it with his left foot perfectly into the far post side netting. Nick, Yoris didn't even move. I mean, he didn't have a chance.
2: Yeah. I think he was kind of unsighted by this. I mean, if you looked at it from like they do like the goalkeeper perspective, looking out and uh, Hazard just had to thread this through and he did. And, you know, it's a, it's been a different kind of year for Hazard because, you know, he hasn't scored, um, you know, kind of a, a scrappier goal like this in a while, but he really just, had a chance to put it on frame. And I know usually he likes to be a little less selfish, but I'm so glad he wasn't here. Uh, I'm so glad that he actually took the shot because he, he came on and was immediately impactful and you knew he would be because he's been on such a good run of form, but uh, it was super, uh, super great to see him kind of just take the moment and, and just make it his.
0: Well, 80th minute, Dan, I've got a gift because instead of having you talk about all the Spurs goals, I'm just going to open this up to you and say Madich Thunderbolt, go.
1: Fuck me. That
0: was <laughs> an exceptional
1: goal. Oh my God. You, know, you remember he he almost won a goal of the year previously and uh, it was only his Latan that kept him from, uh, from winning that at this point and you know he mean, he's had some misfired rockets uh, and finally his targeting system was on today and he just hit that bar, bounced in. And the is just looking like, what the hell did I just witness? Because there was no way uh, I think the comment was if there were three or four goalkeepers in the box, that that ball was going anywhere but the back of the net. And I definitely loved the uh, the heart running. <laughs> Uh, as the celebration in the uh, Gareth Bale style was quite, quite fantastic. Just really, I mean, it was a whole ice cream Sunday. You had the ice cream, you had the whipped cream, you had the sprinkles, you had the cherry on top, and you got to enjoy all of it while watching someone that you hated witness it and not be able to watch it because they were, like, lactose intolerant. They couldn't enjoy any of it.
2: I... I think this is one of the single best goals I've ever seen scored in a Chelsea shirt. And when you look at the replay of it, it wasn't particularly, you know, menacing as a shot, but I think it just had pace on it that Lloris didn't even expect. And it almost, Brandon hit right in the corner of the upper 90 perfectly. And, I, you know, I, there's no way any keeper can save that. It was just incredible, incredible goal.
0: The pace with what that was hit is unreal. No one's saving it, and as one caller said on TalkSport afterwards, I'm pretty sure it took some of the paint off the crossbar because that thing was on a <laughs> rope. But uh, th- those are the goals. I mean, I tell you what. Uh, if we're sitting at 3-2, Spurs have a chance, right? They can bring it back to 3-3. Three, three. It's a ton of effort, but they've already came back twice. 4-2, dead and buried. Just absolutely killed it. So um, I think there's only one more thing that I'm missing, Nick, about this goal. What was the one thing?
2: God, it, you know, the Fox Sports really sucked all day at the coverage, but they they caught one key moment, Dan, and and that was the Kurt Zuma reaction to the Nemanja Matic goal. Oh my god, it was it was the best, it was the best, most innocent, like holy shit kind of moment that I've I've seen from a Chelsea bench. And like Shalibo was was right next to him. Everyone's having a party at that point. But we we have a gif of it. We have memes made out of it already. Like it, it is one of those single moments, Dan, of the season where you can look back on with joy.
1: That, that is going to live for a right, very, right. very long time as a reaction image for, uh, for Chelsea fans. Uh, whether it's, you know, my reaction when, uh, you know, Arsenal lose, my reaction when, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the shock face moment for Zuma is going to become legendary. You know, he, you know, Vine went away, so the Zuma slide tackle is not appreciated potentially in the same way.
0: The Zuma reaction GIF, however, will live on forever. There's no doubt that it won't. Um, Absolutely fantastic (laughs) stuff. Zuma is such a character, and having Chalba and Terry next to him, it made it all the better. But let's go ahead and dive into some questions. We've had enough with the goals. We've had six. It's time to move on. So we talked about this. Uh, When the lineup was announced, do you think the changes Conte made were tactical or an admission of where his priorities stand between the Premier League and FA Cup, Nick?
2: Um, A little bit of both. Um, You know, I think that Diego was kind of the big conundrum coming into this game. What do you do with him? You know, he's not in the last few games, he's not worked as hard. He's been, you know, more on the bad Diego side than the good Diego side. You know, Hazard has been playing basically as our, our striker in the last eight weeks and he's probably getting tired of being beaten up. Uh, and then Cahill's injury was kind of forced upon him. So I think there were just some tactical things that uh, had to come into play. And I was actually surprised to see Batshuayi get in. Um, you know, I think the admission that Hazard was probably not going to play the entire t- entire game uh, made that, you know, kind of a forced entry because cost has been so bad, but uh, I think you saw a lot of young players get their get their moment, and none of them seemed out of place. Dan.
1: Yeah, I think the the forcing of the hand due to illness, um, you know, due to a need for rotation. You know, I think the point that was brought out prior to the match starting was that Antonio Conte has won the league multiple times in Italy had never won the Italian Super Cup and had positions where he rested players. So I think it was easy for people to ascribe this philosophy that oh, he's doing it because the league is more important. We're giving up on the FA Cup. Like, just blow up the world now because I don't want to live in a world where the Spurs are owning Wembley, and I think you know all the people who were frustrated or upset are now looking back like, "Damn, that guy is really, really smart." I mean, we obviously had a lot of decisions go our way that that paid off from some free kicks and some penalties, but then we also scored some pretty exceptional goals, and there were a couple odd moments, maybe balls being handled outside the box that why didn't get called. Why would you call called. something
2: like that though? So,
1: like, I, I, why? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's Chelsea. It doesn't happen for us. Um, you know, ultimately, all worked out well. Quite excellent. And you know, I think it also gave a little bit of rotation element heading into what's going to be a tough game against Southampton. And then another quick turnaround into Everton, too, because I think, you know, not... Southampton's in great form. Everton, had a little bit of a rough game the other day, but they were playing away. So we'll get a chance to see uh, some really tough, tough talent in the next two games. And, you know, he's going to want players to be fresh for those. So I think the, the feeling of did he bounce it or not, I actually think maybe he's learned from what happened in Italy previously and actually managed this game uh, so much better
0: than the kind of situations that saw him exit the cup but win the league, and you know, I think like, there's a bit of luck going into this. I mean, there's no doubt that we fielded a weaker team than what we could have. Obviously, with Hazard and Fabregas on the bench, there's an there's an argument to say we this wasn't our best team possible. Uh, Spurs, yeah, Danny Rose was out. I mean, for the most part, like that was their strongest team. Kyle Walker came in off the bench, um, but for the most part, like that was it. Yeah, but I mean, I think if you're feeling son as a, a left
1: wing Mac, I mean, I think there's also an admission too from you know Walker probably should have started there. I think that was also an omission for Pochettino that you know he was also going to try to do a little bit of trickery, as it were, kind of matching a system. So I, I I would give him some credit for being inventive, but also you know knock him for you know some poor rotation because I think that would have been you know, the point Nick made earlier about Moses and his performance would have been a much more even contests throughout the match. I think Son got abused by Victor Moses and his you know, physical pace and his direct runs that
0: really exposed that right-hand well, side. Sure. And I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying, though, is like, you're right. Yeah, te- you know, Tottenham made some changes, but obviously, you know, Chelsea made the bigger impacts to the lineup. And so uh, I also think that Conte got a little bit lucky. You know, Chelsea, our first two goals came from essentially free kicks, you know, dead ball plays that we are able to execute on, you know, Spurs, uh, you know, while they started from, you know, set pieces, they really came through open play for the most part and they were creating way more chances. So I think um, just for us, it worked out well, uh, but, you know, this could have gone wildly, wildly different, but, you know, the defense played well. And I think that that was a strong showing Um, with that being said, Uh, What do you make of the argument that Spurs were the better team or played better football than Chelsea? I mean, with only over one-third of the possession, Chelsea were at about 36 37%. We had five shots on target to their four, Dan.
1: I feel like the... uh, And Dan Levine made this comment multiple times on Twitter that the Spurs fan base is morphing into some amalgamation of Arsenal fans where the style of football is more important than the end score sheet. And you know, it sucks to lose any type of sporting event, 100%. If you've been on a team and you've been on the losing side of something, which anyone who has been on a team has, it doesn't feel good. And sometimes you think, man, we have bad breaks. We didn't perform. We didn't execute. They weren't as good as us. Yeah but it's about the end results. And I think Chelsea convert, you you practice set pieces, you practice set pieces to be able to convert in those opportunities and make those, those attempts kind of work for you. You know, I think everything that Chelsea got uh, was earned from that match. um, Not something that was just handed to us.
2: I agree. I think the, when you look at this game and this is a, a classic, You know, kind of 66% to, you know, whatever, 33% or 38%. This reminds you of, you know, Chelsea playing... You know, against teams that are more possession oriented, Arsenal's, Barcelona's, etc. The thing that Spurs fans are not taking into account is this is basically how Chelsea's built an empire. I mean, aside from a couple of great footballing sides, which were, you know, the 2009-10 team, and you know, I would say the 05-06 team. Um, still with great defenses, but we're more attacking oriented. Um, this Chelsea defend really well; like that is kind of the hallmark of this team. In fact, when we aren't very good, it's when our defense is shit. So it's just surprising to me that the rest of the league hasn't picked up on this yet. I mean, Chelsea with a a very inexperienced center back held Spurs to two goals, even though Spurs were. You know, they were. They were dominant for, you know, I'd say 45 minutes of the match, half of the match. But it's all about the chances you create and and executing those. If you're the more clinical team on the day, Dan, you, you win. And... You know, I think Spurs fans have to look at their own front line and be upset that they didn't convert more chances because for some reason we keep giving Erickson room on the right hand side just above the box. And, you know, I I, tactically, I would almost, you know, Andrew Herrera to him and put in Golo Conte to man mark him right there because I think that cuts off a lot of their supply. But, you know, I think it's just crazy to me that you would think that 4 2, we should have won that. Like, no, you shouldn't have. Yeah, uh, it's some, uh,
1: some very interesting logic. And, uh, you know, it'd be a great opportunity to start looking online. You know, just go to Google, uh, you know, just, you know, philosophy classes or something. I mean, that that's that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the if and or buts uh, versus maybe uh, some other courses that could help with your, uh, you know, attachment to reality.
0: I loved the Frank Lampard <laughs> plus Alan Shearer <laughs> versus Jermaine Janus. Destroy him on BBC's coverage obviously Jermaine Janus starts off defending Spurs saying hey guess what <laughs> uh, we are the better team we had more possession like I'm sure they're absolutely gutted you know Modich will never do that again the penalty was a fluke. Okay, so we're at 2-2. Except Chelsea did those things, and that's exactly what Shearer and Lamps said. I mean, Lampard had an—he um, had so much fun today. If you guys follow all of the oh, stuff God. he said on social media <laughs> and posted on social media himself, I mean, he did—he hasn't missed a beat. He still thinks Spurs uh, are a hot pile of trash, and he's not afraid to uh, to rub it in. I mean, at the end of the day, Chelsea converted, and that's all that matters in this game. If you know, Wenger and Pochettino want to start, you know, amending the rules to add in style points. Go for it. But until that happens, put the ball in the back of the net or don't complain. There's uh, not style points for handshakes yet because I'm really like I've been working on a couple
1: and you know I just you know just gonna yeah, fax us over to the
2: club. We're practicing for our live show and and I think that we're almost there, Dan. I mean, we virtually it's a little difficult to like you're trying to, but you know you get it. explosion James powder (laughs) 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 Uh, we're gonna go ahead and bring over
0: the uh, the entertainment value uh, of the pregame all right well you know what I think that's the last point that I really want to bring up is the the psychological advantage that the winner would have in this title run from the match mainly it was all about Chelsea and if we were to have lost We were done for. We were going to drop maybe out of the top four, uh, pack up shop, uh, and head out of town because that's what everyone thought. So what does the result do for Chelsea's psychology as we enter the last six matches plus an FA Cup final, baby? What up, Nick? Where are we at? Uh,
2: I think psychologically, Spurs had a lot more to gain from yesterday than we did, frankly. Like, I... I have full faith in Antonio Conte that he would have figured out a way to win the league, even if we lost yesterday. And uh, you know, I think it was a little dicey there for a minute, but uh, I think the character of this team is is greater than one individual result or two individual results. And you know, really, you know, I'm I'm still going back to my comments from last week. If we beat Southampton on Tuesday, I you know i have I have no doubt we're going to win the league no doubt. Um, I I think Southampton and Everton are our two last real big pushes. And then we play, you know, four teams in the bottom 13. And, you know, if you don't win those, you don't deserve to win the title, but you would assume that we would. So uh, I think Spurs had a lot more to gain. I think, You know, we still would have come through yesterday having played, you know, a really tough final. There's no doubt that Spurs are the second best team in England. No doubt. They are very good and they're going to give us fits for the next, you know, five, six years if they keep their squad together. But, you know, Brandon, I'm holding firm. I think that, you know, we went on Tuesday and and it's it's game blouses as uh, as Dave Chappelle would say
0: it's true you know the way I look at it is uh, this is actually a bit of a bonus especially, especially when we had the injuries and people coming back in the last second lineup changes uh, I think this is a huge bonus a lot of Chelsea fans Dan we're talking about the double um, but I think we really needed to focus it one at a time um, we hit a bit of a wobble and we had some ill timed injuries at this point in the season and I think that being able to do both got really difficult in the last couple of weeks but the fact that Uh, We've done what we have. It opens up the doors to everything.
1: Yeah, I think the other point is that with the rotation of a couple players, I think it helps revitalize the thought that every player in this squad has an opportunity to play a part in a pretty historic season for the club. Uh, You know, I think there's the, the trending, you know, double for JT, um, hashtag that's out there trying to you know, remind people that, you know, there's a, a couple things going on with the club that uh, are important or items of note. But, you know, to Nathan Aki to know that he is going to play a critical role here to let you know Michi Batshuayi know that there's an opportunity for him to make an impression still for William to be fully engaged in scoring goals for Madich, you know who I think has been you know slated for for a very long while and to come up with a major major goal in you know the biggest game of the season you know, that there's everyone in this game show that they have the ability to help make the final push and get this team over the line and make it so that we can uh, potentially put two pieces of uh, software in the cupboard which you know would be nice to uh, you know fill, keep on filling it up
0: to you know add, just add a whole new cupboard. No. Yeah, I would say, a, too. Not a cupboard, I wish, real quick. A cabinet. You want the showcase a, piece, not, like, yeah, under the yeah. sink. Yeah. I just want to Class. clarify. We're
2: on the same page here. I, I wish we had a heat map for Twitter hate on Nemanja Matic oh. for the first half of the game versus the second half of it the game. It would cover this much. Oh, my God. It, like, guys, our our Twitter... I'm, I'm speaking directly to our Twitter followers right now. Please don't jump the gun on hating people. Like... If, if, you know, let's say that Courtois lets, you know, a goal go through his legs and doesn't stop it on purpose in the last 90 seconds of a match, like, free-for-all, go for it. But, like, Nemanja Matic is a different kind of player. He's not always been great this season, but I think in disrupting other teams' play and, and the way he breaks up lanes and creates, he does—he has six assists this year, like— Let's not jump the gun too much. He has been uh, a, a really good servant to the club this year. I think has rebounded a lot from his you know really down year he had last year. But man, like if we had a heat map, there would be a lot of embarrassed folks out there right now. Well, I think it was really cool as you watched uh, the
1: front three pushing forward and the quality of play they had. It really allowed. Madic and Conte to focus on Wanyama and Debele, and you did not hear, you know, other than seeing Wanyama and uh, Nat, or sorry Debele and National hug day, uh, you know, moment in the box. Uh, you really didn't hear their names too often throughout the match, and that was the impact of Conte and Matic's pairing. When we saw Cesc and Conte earlier versus Spurs. There was no physicality in that midfield to handle those two, you know, giant athletes. And that would have been really, really difficult if we had started Cesc. I think actually that was a perfect pick from Conte, even though there are plenty of people who refer to him as the Arserbian tree. (laughs) Uh, He's tall, he's lanky, he's got long arms, and he uh, also
2: can score a pretty good goal with those roots. So uh, sorry about that his heart celebration brandon was like much more intimidating than uh gareth yeah oh man it was it was like a jagged heart and he also had like a steely look on his face. you know i i'm i'm not sure that that celebration didn't actually hit someone in the face in the stance it was actually him saying this is
0: what i'm going to rip out of you <laughs> this is a foreshadow of what's to come spurs like your heart is just been crushed and it was by me he's acknowledging responsibility for what happened Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and kind of segue this one, because I want to bring back the one-word segment and say, Nemanja Madic's goal makes you feel blank. I mean, this was, as we talked about, goal of the season, Thunderbolt, like momentum changer, huge, huge, huge for Chelsea. Uh, one word, how did it make you feel, Dan? I'm going to go phrase.
1: Um <laughs> i'm just gonna say dead inside because i must
0: be in heaven because that goal was like that nothing's better than that it was supposed to be a dream all right uh nick apparently we have completely opened this up to whatever you
2: want (laughs) uh then i'm going to use a men in blazers phrase and it's it gave me the thickening so all right yep um penis jokes on the show (laughs) All right. Well,
0: I'm going to just say uh, his goal made me feel, um, I don't know. We just started throwing beers at the bar. Like, I'm sorry. There, it was undescri- <laughs> indescribable. Like, motion was just bursting out of the seams. There were two Tottenham fans, maybe three, um, at Brits. Uh, and they got pretty quiet at the end of the game, obviously. They were a little chirpy towards the beginning. Um into the point where, at the end of it all, once this shot went in, the bartender gave the
2: one nearest him a free shot because he knew he needed it. Dude, I uh, I picked up a guy who who weighed almost three hundred pounds. I was so jacked. Like, <laughs>
1: I, I'm, was, I'm I'm just wondering if the bartender could have given the shot to Harry Kane and maybe he would have been able to convert one more. Oh. <laughs>
0: All right, well, that was fantastic. Let's go ahead and wrap this up, though. Are there any additional thoughts or comments you guys want to uh, touch on before we roll into social media questions, Nick?
2: Yeah, I want to I hearken back to the uh, handling the ball outside of the box scenario that um, at the time we were up 2-1. It was right after the penalty was given. I think if the penalty had not been given previously, that that would have been a uh, indirect free kick and a red card for Larice, and the game changes completely right there. So, for as lucky or as not lucky as Spurs fans think that Chelsea got in this game for a couple of world class goals, I think that they got just as lucky to not have their starting goalkeeper sent off and play with ten men the rest of the game. And Michelle Bourne,
1: Dan, anything else? Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing that, just on that point, because that was the one that still sticks out in my mind from the match, is uh, it would have been really, really devastating for them to lose the Reese because that would have been uh, you know, a suspension uh, in some of the upcoming matches. And I actually was, I'm more miffed about that than I am about the impact in our current game. Because uh, you know what? I will take anything right now. As much as we're going to make our own luck over the next couple matches, if yeah your goalkeeper wants to make a poor mistake and get
0: suspended for a game here totally cool with that all right well let's go ahead uh and look at the man of the match poll i mean really nick i get it it could have been team of the match because that's what everyone wanted but look we made you not we you made the four decisions
2: who did you have in the poll uh, so I had William and Golo Conte, David Luiz, and Nemanja Matic uh, with a qualifier uh, that I put out right after that Nathan Ake, uh, Victor Moses, um, Pedro, Dave, all of these guys could have been in this poll. I just picked the four that I thought had the best game. Um, and, you know, having previously acknowledged Richter Moses, having previously acknowledged Nathan Ake uh, for stepping up, Dave stepping up as captain, uh, these are the four I picked. So we had 33% for Willian on his double. Uh, we had... Uh, Conte, 10%, David Luiz, 53%, and Nemanja Matic with the Thunderbolt at 4%. So uh, I put Matic in there because I couldn't get over one of the best goals I've ever seen, and you can hate me for that if you want, but frankly, I'm not backing down from it. Birthday boy, Luiz. He was tremendous, though. I mean, he was just absolutely tremendous. I think that the bigger the stakes you know, the, the reason that I, I look at John Terry and I'm so amazed is because the bigger the stakes, usually the better he plays. And I think that you've seen David Luiz play in semifinals and finals, you know, over the over a few years for Chelsea. And it seems like he is that kind of character as well. Uh, so just a tremendous gutsy performance. We know he's hurt. We know that he got stamped on by De- uh, Deli Ali, who's a sneaky little bastard. Um, and he still he gutted it out and actually just. Boss Harry Kane and was phenomenal. So, uh, just a really great performance from David Luiz, who on his birthday just does big things. Uh, it was fantastic to see from him. So,
0: where that leaves us, um, FA Cup final. This might come as a surprise to you, but I'm sure you've heard from now. Arsenal beat Manchester City two to one in extra time really really surprised by that so look it's going to be another london derby in the fa cup final which means wembley is going to be absolutely rocking that should be a bonkers fantastic man. atmosphere so that so now wrap us up for this uh first part we're going to do a quick promo break and come back with a tribute to jt as well as your questions from social media here we go
2: Hey Dan, I am getting super excited for our uh, roundtable discussion with Chage and the boys. Uh, some journalists like uh, Liam Toomey and and Naz Kinsella. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what we have what we have planned here. Uh, I think it's a part
1: of our uh, British invasion, as it were, (laughs) where we're going uh, overseas to see Middlesbrough play, to do some fun stuff uh, with the club, and get a chance to connect with those wonderful guests that you've heard on the show previously in person, and just kind of expand the conversation that we have uh, online and bring that offline. We're going to definitely make sure that we do some uh, recording of that so we could bring that into the digital space for you, too, if you're not able to attend, but it's going to be at the, the Atlas, which is a pub uh, near Sanford Bridge. It's going to be on the uh, Saturday night when we're there right around like 7.30 uh, p.m. And uh, it's, going to, it's going to kick it off there. And uh, where it goes beyond that, to be continued, because I don't even know how crazy <laughs> it's going to be based upon what
2: she just said. Uh, I am training my liver right now. Yeah, we're, we're going through training. So uh, if you're not able to attend, uh, don't worry. We will hopefully have some uh, some shareable content after that. Uh, and uh, yeah, follow us along the journey. All right, you guys might have already forgotten because
0: it's been a crazy week. But John Terry is officially leaving Chelsea at the end of this season. Um, it was sandwiched in between the sorrow from the United match, the euphoria from the Tottenham match, but it was a joint statement, not John backing Chelsea into a corner saying, hey, I might not be here. So I think that obviously there are some good things about this. There's been a ton of tributes. We've done posts and things. We all know how amazing his career has been. So instead of that, I think I just want to real quick touch on what are your thoughts about JT playing for another team or club in the Premier League? Uh, and will it ruin his kind of um, I don't know, what reputation, his like legendary status at the club, Dan?
1: Oof! Oh, throwing to me first. Wow! I got to talk about the Spurs goals, and I got to be the first person to talk about JT going to play for a different club. Um, it's all hypothetical. I feel like I, I feel like William getting subbed off. I was having a great match, and I just don't understand why I got pulled. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't think it hurts his legacy. Uh, I think when you have spent, you know, if we're talking, he had spent maybe five, six, seven less years of the club. Maybe there's a conversation that, you know, if he's going to spend another half of his career somewhere, uh, John Terry is, is not a spring, you know, chicken anymore. It, he's not going to be playing an extended period of time for any other club in the premier league. Uh, it would be unprecedented. And you know, if there's anyone to push the barriers, it will definitely be him. But if he went to a West Brom or a Bournemouth or some other team for a a season or two, uh, I don't think that that hurts his legacy. I think the way that he has worked with the club and the club has worked with him to announce it, to make a joint statement, to talk about how there's an you know, a thought of what the return looks like is showing some forward planning. And look, you know, Frank Lampard is doing pretty, pretty well in, in television. So I don't think his return comes very soon to Chelsea. You know, Drogba was gone over to Phoenix uh, in and States here and you know he's going to be playing and then be a player owner. So that maybe doesn't get him back to Chelsea super soon. Um, you know, Ballack just needs to be signed on the payroll for some PR pieces here because he's already doing it unofficially but there's a bunch of legends that are slowly leaving the club and keeping that mentality around and that winning spirit and, and what the connection is between Chelsea and the club with the players and the relationship with the fans is, is essential. And I think no one has embodied that better than John Terry. And I think it's going to be really hard to manufacture that. I, I think, the person who's helping to do that the most right now is actually Antonio Conte. And you hear the way he talks about it in the press conferences about the supporters and the fans and how it's for them. And it's something that we do together and the relationship he's crafting, I think is going to help that permeate throughout the entire team. But there's no doubt that, uh, man, it's going to, it's going to suck to say goodbye. It, it always does. And you just hope he doesn't continue goal scoring against us uh, because he definitely likes to knock one in here or there.
0: Nick legacy tarnished, or you're just like another step in his career. He's given too much to ever dent that.
2: No, there's no way he can dent it. I mean, this scenario is, you know, essentially how I feel about it is the club saying goodbye and John accepting it this time. You know, he, he's uh, held on, I think longer than a lot of media and, and fans have thought. Um, and, you know, if, if it's truly the club saying, hey, you know, we we need to inject some youth here, we need to get younger, we need to buy for this position, and we don't think that you have 38 games in you, then I have no issue with him going to another Premier League side. I mean, it's his career, so as long as he's, he's not forcing his way out or, you know, leaves on bad terms, he, he, can't, he can't ever have a tarnished legacy with Chelsea fans. I mean, he's just been too integral to success. Um, you know, I said this on the on the fancast um, on Tuesday because they they, uh, they record a day late and got to kind of break that news. Um, it, it's it's a weird scenario because he is, you know, I think for us and a lot of fans who have joined kind of this bandwagon in in recent years, he's he is the guy. You know, he's he's the guy that we all kind of grew up with, and most Chelsea fans can relate to the best and. You know, I I think that for him, it's going to be incredibly difficult to leave. But if he still has games in him, you know, don't retire until your body tells you you have to retire. You know, I think that is the the, kind of the key point here is we we always want to retire people quicker than they than they want to retire. Uh, The the fans are like, well, he can't play 38 games, so take him out to pasture and, uh, you know, let's let's see someone new. Uh, He can still add value to a Premier League team or to a Chinese League team or to, you know, wherever. So uh, best of luck to you, John. Uh, Fantastic, fantastic servant to the club. And uh, we'll see you hopefully uh, in the coaching box someday. So at the end of it all,
0: I'm just happy he's going to get the hero send off that he deserves. It's not going to be. You know, oh, by the way, we're going to handle this in the summer. So I'm excited to kind of see him be able to receive all of the love and warm reception that he absolutely deserves lap of honor the whole nine yards. Um, Okay transitioning emotionally bring it back because uh, we do have some questions from social media about this match at uh, Timothy Penny tweeted at us says after today do you think Mishi gave any indication that he could replace Costa according to Timothy says he doesn't think so and we had a couple other questions related to the Mishi topic uh, Dan so again do you think Mishi showed that he's got potential to play for Chelsea uh, is he going to bump Costa Um, do you think Conte is going to trust him more going forward in the last six matches?
1: Um, well, I think if we secure the league um, with games to spare, he will start those games. So I think that is a like just peering into the future. I think what we saw from Michi in this game, which we hadn't seen necessarily in some of the prior games, was good hold-up play, especially later in the second half, before he got subbed, he was really causing a problems for the back three, um, getting the ball, holding it up, being able to distribute it out, you know, maybe not always making the forward run, you know, but if you're trying to compare him to Diego Costa, who's has had a chance to, you know, give defenders night terrors in the Premier League for three years versus Mishi, who's played, you know, just over a hundred minutes now in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm not expecting him to, you know, make people quiver in their boots just yet. Uh, I think I think what he did do was he was spatially aware in a way that Costa hasn't been recently, you know, some of the, the intelligent runs in. And I think that that's tactical, that's training that those are things that come from, you know, a conversation with a manager and understanding his style and his philosophy and working with them. Uh, I think you know, I said last week, I thought, you know, Mishi goes on loan next season. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that doesn't happen if he gets an opportunity to convince, I think it's uh transitioning from minutes to Mishi for goals for Mishi, because uh, that's the next part he needs to add on. And as much as I respect Dave for the, uh, the picking of the ball and giving it to William, uh, you know, any, any type of goal, even if it was a penalty would have been a great little boost for Mishi. So uh, hopefully he gets a chance to add one Premier league goal to his total. Here in the, uh, in the final moments of the season.
0: Yeah, the penalty in the FA Cup semifinals is a little different than the latter round, you know, the previous rounds in the FA Cup when he did get to take them. Uh, but shout out to at DRC263305, at Nels Johnson2, and at Hazard Field also asking questions about Mishi. Um, Nick, how about this one from at. E 908 says better result today or in the 5-1 in 2012? And just to put it in context, 2012 is the season that Spurs were in the top four all season. Chelsea uh, were a little bit farther down and ended up knocking them out of the Champions League after we won it.
2: Oh, man, uh, I love that 5-1 so much because it, it was just it was just like the culmination of all this built up like. Anxiety that you had and just let it go. I mean, it was that was the day I thought we had a chance in the Champions League final. Um, You know, it's just a tremendous thing. I would say that this Spurs team is way better than that team in 2012, so this might be the better result. But I have such fond memories for 5 1 that I'm going to go with the 5 1. Carlo Cudicini doesn't have fond memories of that match. He does not. No.
1: I think, I think it has to be viewed in the context of uh, the last day of the season and, and where we end because I, I think that there's a asterisk on this and as long as we go on to win the league um, that makes the 4-2 uh, even that much
0: sweeter uh, at the Conte roll one says what do you make of Ake's performance Dan <sighs> thumbs up you know I, I think uh, there were
1: a couple people calling for a 10 out of 10 which I think is a, is a little generous Not much Yep. Uh, but what I so a couple things I liked uh slide tackling was fantastic the one on Delhi Alley where they were crying for a penalty where he made perfect contact with the ball was excellent the hair amazing <laughs> uh signing up sure that probably had to be part of the you know commitment is that Aki starts a certain number of games because you want to be able to say hey those lovely locks uh they are uh, not going to sweat under pressure sponsored by sure um yep. You also enjoy the fact that he was playing the ball forward uh, and doing so in a way that actually connected the ball to someone who could make a second pass. Uh, I think the distribution for the back three has been a little suspect at times. Aki comes in, uh, is doing some short passes, doing some, uh, pop-up passes over defenders, you know, is really aware of wanting to move the ball forward. I think where he kind of got lost a couple times, it's just in decision-making from distribution backwards. Should I be sending it to Luis? Should I be sending it to a Should I be holding it on to myself? Um, and so I think those are things that just come from experience of playing and repetition with the same players in a live game. It's very hard to simulate that. Uh, I, I think it was great. I think it was super exceptional to know uh, and get a chance to see how talented he is. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's great for Conte to have more uh, more challenges when selecting the starting 11, knowing that you have that type of
0: depth. Uh, Matt Sadler posted on Facebook and says with Ake and Louise both starting was this the best defensive hair partnership of all time? So it's funny that you say that Dan. (laughs) That is Um, that's a tough one. That'll take a lot of research Nick so I will save you the homework. (laughs) Uh, At Axel Oz15 says has Ake proved that there's no longer a need to purchase a center back during the summer transfer window?
2: Oh boy! I mean, what a uh, first of all, just want to give him props. I mean, what a great performance from him in a really tough uh, pressure situation. Um, sponsored by Sure, uh, I would say that uh, he, he he gives Conte a lot of second thoughts right now, and I think Conte will need to see how him and Christensen do in the preseason. But I would almost be very certain with JT leaving, maybe you know, depending on where Zuma kind of fits into this as well, that we'll pick up another center back, uh, of some quality, because I think what Dan had just mentioned, the, the passing out of the back and making sure that this whole unit is smoothly operating and kind of that nice big circle, uh, is key. But, you know, for, for a guy who is, you know what 21 or something like that 23 he has all the potential in the world to be a great center back at, at a top Premier League club uh, we just hope that club is Chelsea because you know I think you know Spurs might have even been a bit surprised with his athleticism you know he doesn't look super big or bulky he can keep people off the ball really well he can pass forward really well I think that him and Alonzo as the game went on developed more of a partnership which was good and then you know i think the last part is he's phenomenal in the air um he's not six four or six five like van dyke is but he's he can get up so all those things being said i think that cahill has a lot to worry about uh going forward because uh, from what i saw yesterday he's he's the future
0: uh next one from at Stunaway says Aspie future captain question mark Dan I mean dude showed some promise they even had a little little video message for everyone after the game saying like what a huge important day was for him to be able to finally wear the captain's armband for Chelsea
1: yeah committed long term uh, through the club earlier this season Uh, still you know know, young in comparison to some of the other players in the club, understands the winning mentality, understands what, what it means to be Chelsea. Um, and, you know, you, you don't necessarily see it, right? You're like, oh, you're so, so soft-spoken, so humble. But I mean, yeah, he he is a leader on that pitch all the time. Yeah, I think the only other shout, You know, it'd be David Luiz. You know, I think if you're looking at who the next captain needs to be on the team, uh, I I think you could go either way between those two guys, and you're not choosing someone. um, You're not you're not making a bad choice. So I think what probably ends up happening is it's something like you know Quetta Luis captain, co-captain, or vice captain next season Um, because they're they're both
0: they're both giants. Do you think he's going to strip Cahill of the vice captaincy and just go to brand new people? If Cahill is not a
1: starter, uh, I guess the question is: Does he become like the John Terry club captain kind of thing, and do we then move on to Asplundtta or Luis being the on the pitch captain?
2: Yeah, I, I would, you know, say it depends on kind of Cahill's long term future. You know, if if he only has a couple of years left, you know, you might look to Dave, who's younger, as you know, kind of a longer term captain. So, I mean, it really just depends on Cahill. All right. Well, thank you for all of your questions.
0: As always, we appreciate getting them. If you missed yours this week, send us another one next week. Tweet, Instagram, Facebook, or email us. But that'll wrap up part two. We're going to head into the Southampton preview right after this message from World
2: Soccer Shop. Here we go. So the, the third promo break, Dan, is all about following our friends World Soccer Shop on social media. Can you maybe display which channels we would need our followers to follow them? Oh, well, They
1: have Instagram, they have Facebook, they have Twitter, World Soccer Shop. It's really cool, especially this type of time of the year. I mean, new kits mm-hmm. are coming out. Uh, you want to see how ugly you know the kits are going to be for Arsenal, how, how, you know, how, how many nipples may or may not pierce through them. You're going to want to see... You know how terrible uh, maybe some of the you know man united shirts are gonna be with that awful chevy logo on front and you're gonna want a chance to see how how beautiful that new chelsea kit's gonna be with nike and the wonderful blue so you know just follow world soccer shop on all those platforms and you'll probably see it before anyone else
0: Also, to note, as we head into Part 3, it'll be the first chance to buy them as well, which is what we all want as we head into the summer tour. But guys, girls, listeners, Southampton time. Quick turnaround in the Premier League. We're going to be at Stamford Bridge, thankfully, and it's this coming Tuesday, April 25th. As you look at the form guide, Chelsea... Yeah, right. You know, three wins, two losses like we I hate to bring you back to what happened. But uh, Southampton are also in the same boat. Two wins, two losses and a draw recently getting hammered by Man City three nothing. Uh, Nick, as we go into this, you know, um, we've got Oriol Romeu is there. Obviously, Ryan Bertrand, some some strong Chelsea ties there. How do you feel going into this? We all know that this is like the crucial match for you to boost your confidence if Chelsea can go on to win the title.
2: Yeah, I feel I feel much better now, um, especially after the win, resting some of our key contributors. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I have a, uh, a feeling that Ake gets another start. Uh, I have a feeling that <clears throat> perhaps you see the... Uh, the pedro William hazard interchange thing that dan was talking about last week happened you know you, you might get a chance to see uh depending on how david louise is feeling you might get a chance to see john terry in this match um so there's just i think a lot going on but it is you know they are a physical team they do press you know they are you know, they're no pushover by any means dan this is going to be a game that we're gonna have to earn
1: yeah, uh, I think, uh, you know, I mean, we, we benefit from the fact that, you know, Van Dyke is out for the season with with injury. Uh, you know, they're much, much stronger side when he's present in it. Um, it, it is not going to be an easy match, even playing at home. Uh, you look at, you know, the, the form that they've had. You know, they've gone places like going away to West Brom and winning versus the Baggies. You know, that's a, it's a really good win for them. Um, yeah, they did lose two-one to Spurs. Um, I mean, they showed that they can score on you know one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, I mean, but they also you know just got smashed 3 0 by Man City. And you know, you, you hope that the momentum we have coming out of this game, the ability to maybe do some rotation with players. You know, uh, maybe William starts again given his form. Uh, maybe Costa continues to sit, and we do do Pew up front just to let them and hopefully kind of connect again um, you know it, it's, it's going to be a good game uh, I, I think you're right Nick if I'm going to feel a lot better about a win here <laughs> and uh, you know, again just put the pressure on Tottenham put the pressure on Tottenham to go out and win because that's the worst thing in the world to know that you're not making up ground and that you're still at the same spot is much worse than uh, you know kind of The alternative, you know, we have to set the pace. We have to continue to move forward and we have to make it difficult for them.
0: The good news is Southampton, you know, comfortably in the middle of that mix there. They do show some great things, but I think like if you can get on top of them early, they'll probably just be like, okay, we'll just ride this one out. We're not here to, you know, to get hurt or do anything crazy. Um, So I think that that's good, obviously, uh, as we enter into it. But, you know, they do have some danger. Gabby Adini has came in, been great. Um, they like to attack down their left side. So that is going to be something that, uh, you know, Dave and Moses are going to be able to absorb. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're at the end of the season. You just have to grind out results and nothing's going to be easy. So um, I think that, like Nick said, you feel a lot better going into this match after beating
2: Spurs than what we're feeling post Manchester United. Yep, pretty much. Because I mean, then we have Everton after, which I think we all kind of earmarked last week as as potentially a, a trip up situation. So you definitely want this one to ensure that you still have the breathing room next week, or yeah, next uh, weekend to uh, to possibly not play your best.
0: And as it stands, Chelsea play Tuesday, Spurs plays Wednesday. So again, if we push uh, the you know the three points across the line. Not only that, uh, Spurs play Palace on Wednesday. Palace just came from behind to beat Liverpool 2-1 today. They now are just taking scalps right now. It's it's amazing what Crystal Palace are doing. Again, backs against the wall, Big Sam style, you know, smash mouth, Ben Teke, um, Wilfred Zaha, punch in. I mean, they're just going at teams. So keep that in mind. Yeah, they
1: have... They have uh, three wins, uh, a draw and a loss in the last five. And, you know, uh, one of those, uh, two of those wins have come against top four sides in Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, and they also beat Arsenal, which typically would be a top four side too. So, you know, they are, they are showing that they can... Disrupt some plans, and you know you look at what Sacco has been able to do for them defensively. Uh, that is not going to be as easy a game, I think, as Spurs might believe it to be. So I'm, I'm really hoping, uh, Big
0: Sam, you did a number on us. Just keep on doing numbers the rest of the season, man. That would help us out immensely. But I think that's a wrap for this episode, Chelsea fans. Thank you so much for joining and listening. It has been a blast. We're going to go ahead and do our final thoughts and get on out of here. So Nick, sir, what do you have?
2: I uh, just want to shout out the Chelsea FanCast for having me on last week. If you haven't listened, go take a listen. Uh, it was it was a great experience. Hopefully, we can get Dan or Brandon on the show and and start to uh, to fill fill out their guest list a little bit. Um, and then you know, just a, a big shout out to Axel Tours. We're gonna start finalizing our trip agenda here uh, this week, and we'll have that up for for public knowledge as to kind of where we're gonna be and when we're gonna be there. So, uh, if you live over in the UK and and you want to come hang out, there should be plenty of opportunities to do so and you know from what we see on Google Maps there are plenty of pubs around our area that we're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, possibly having drinks in so uh, more than welcome to join Dan yeah uh, drinking will be mandatory <laughs> um, unfortunately
0: Nick I'm not sure we will be welcome on the fan cast I'm not sure if you know this we listened and we heard that you're Chid's favorite so yeah it's yeah, so true sorry guys Dan, what about you? Final thought time. Yeah, I'm just wondering
1: if uh, Nick's going to hand in his transfer request form at the end of the season <laughs> for some move.
2: <laughs> uh, they, they can't um, afford me, Dan. They cannot afford me.
1: Yeah, those three hundred thousand pound a week uh, contracts are pretty hefty. Um, I'm excited we're playing Arsenal in the FA Cup final. I'm super stoked about an opportunity to notch one more back in. You know, I think we uh, didn't get the chance to do a three. You know, 3P'd on United, so we lost that opportunity. Getting a chance to get a second win against Arsenal this season, especially after the loss that happened early in the season, would be quite wonderful. I just think if we beat them, though, uh, Wenger's going to have a contract. So uh, Mm -hmm. um, unless they announce it, like, this weekend, like, you know, this week. Just announce the the transfer extension, get fans really disappointed. (laughs) And go from there. Um, But yeah, FA Cup final, fantastic. Uh, Bravo, Antonio Conte. Masterclass with his substitutions and rotations at the end of the season.
0: My final shout out is just to go ahead and head on over to YouTube. This is the first time that any of us have done this, but I did a match day vlog. We went to Brits. We chanted at the two Spurs fans. It was an awesome time at the Twin Cities Blues, but especially if you're a fan not from the US or maybe just outside the UK and what it's like for those of us who can't go to Stamford Bridge week in week out uh, we here's a little glimpse into the life of us just hanging out. Uh, I know it's an American thing we're all kitted out we wear jerseys but that's how people know and uh it was a ton of fun hanging out at brits with the twin cities blues and the tc blue lines give you a shout out TJ. tj so that's a wrap for us this week thank you so much chelsea fans for listening as always you are amazing chelsea four tottenham two until next time chelsea fans keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.